Hello, my name is Kenny Miller, and I'm the next guest on On Screen and Beyond. On Screen and Beyond, an inside look into the entertainment world featuring interviews with people from the movie, TV, and music industry, news on upcoming TV and DVD releases, and the rumor mill. And now, here's the host of On Screen and Beyond, Brian Zemrak. It's time once again for another episode of On Screen and Beyond. This is episode 235 of the weekly show that keeps you updated on what's coming your way as far as upcoming new movies, remakes, sequels, and... TV and movie DVD releases. And, of course, we also have our interview segment with a guest from the movie, TV, or music industry. This week, you know, going into Halloween, we figured, well, it's time to have somebody from a horror movie or a, you know, a scary movie or something like that. So we came up with Kenny Miller, who was in I Was a Teenage Werewolf with Michael Landon and also in Attack of the Puppet People it was created, written, and directed by Bert I. Gordon, who we had as a guest earlier. And you can catch his interview in the rerun section of onscreenandbeyond.com. So be sure to check that out. So Kenny Miller's coming up in a few minutes. He's going to talk about those classic films. He's going to talk about a lot of other stuff. He's been very, very busy, and he's done a lot of stuff. And he's going to tell us all about it. It's coming up in a few minutes right here on On Screen and Beyond. Well, I want to uh, update you on some things that are going to be going on and... Uh, to find my paper here. First off, I want to thank you for all your emails from all over the world. It, it's really fun to get emails from people from different countries who listen to the show uh, and uh, service people who are out in different countries and things like that and all kinds of people just sending us emails and everything. I uh, really enjoy it. I'm glad you're enjoying the show. If you have a suggestion, go ahead, tell us about it. Uh, we'll do uh, whatever we can to try to help improve the show. And also, we want to hear your suggestions for guests that you would like to hear here on On Screen and Beyond. So I'd like to hear that. You can contact me at feedback at onscreenandbeyond.com. And uh, also, if you're going to be in the Moraga, California area, uh, that's right around the San Francisco Bay area, on November 8th to the 11th, it's the California Independent Film Festival is coming up. And I am going to be there, and I will be doing a moderating session with Connie Stevens and with Don Wells. If everything works out technically... We'll have them rebroadcast here on On Screen and Beyond, so those of you that aren't in the area can hear those interviews that I'm having, and we'll have audience participation, uh, people can ask questions, and we're going to show clips and all sorts of stuff. It's going to be a lot of fun, so that's at the Ream Theater in Moraga, California, so uh, on uh, Saturday, November 10th at 11 o'clock in the morning. We'll have a conversation with Don Wells. And then at 3 o'clock, we'll have a conversation with Connie Stevens. So uh, be sure to check that out if you're out in that area. We'd uh, love to see you. If, uh, you know, if you're going to be out there, be sure to come up to me and tell me that you're listening to On Screen and Beyond. I'd love to meet you. All right. That is about it. It is time now to find out what's coming your way as far as November releases. They're going to be coming your way in theaters and on TV and movie DVD releases we're going to start out, as usual, with the Remake Madness, coming up next, right here on On Screen and Beyond. Remake Madness coming your way in November in theaters. On November 2nd, the video game Wreck-It Ralph comes to the big screen as an animated film. And Anna Karina lands in theaters on November 16th. And uh, Red Dawn gets the remake treatment on November 21st. I like the first one. Hopefully the second one will be as good. 
And that's it for upcoming remakes in November in theaters. Coming up next on On Screen and Beyond, what's coming away as far as upcoming new movies? Upcoming new movies coming away in theaters in November. Denzel Washington stars In Flight. It's a suspenseful thriller that comes your way on November 2nd. Steven Spielberg's Lincoln arrives on November 8th, starring Daniel Day-Lewis. And on November 21st, Chris Pine, Hugh Jackman, and Jude Law star in Rise of the Guardians. Also on November 21st, uh, it brings us The Life of Pi from Ang Lee and Hitchcock, new movie about him, his life, is going to be in theaters on November 23rd. That is it for upcoming new movies in theaters in November. Next on On Screen and Beyond, we're going to take a peek at what's coming away as far as sequels as we go down to Sequel City to find out sequels coming your way in theaters in November. Sequel City, well, sequel's coming your way in November. James Bond is back, and he returns in Skyfall on November 9th. It stars Daniel Craig. And the Twilight Saga Breaking Dawn Part 2 comes your way on November 16th. And that is it for sequels. Coming up next on On Screen to Be On, what's coming your way in November on TV as far as DVD releases? We got it right here on On Screen to Be On. TV on DVD in November, well, on November 6th, Entourage, the complete series, comes your way, along with Law & Order, Season 11, and The Life and Times of Grizzly Adams, Season 1. November 13th, Cagney and Lacey, Season 2, and the complete series, and The Dick Van Dyke Show on Blu-ray, the complete series, The Flintstones, the complete series, and Friends... On Blu-ray, the complete series, The Real McCoy Season 2, Scooby-Doo, Where Are You, the complete series, and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the complete series, will be coming your way. A lot of complete series coming out. And November 20th, Christmas with Danny Kay will be coming your way. Ancient Aliens Season 4, Different Strokes Season 4, Game of Thrones Season 1, and Macmillan and Wife, the complete series. November 27th, Hot in Cleveland Season 3, in Search Of, good show, complete series, and Perry Mason, Season 8, Volume 1. Stargate Atlantis, Blu-ray version, Season 1, 2, 3, 4, and 5 will be coming your way. That's it for TV on DVD. Coming up next on On Screen to Be On, what's going to be coming your way as far as movies on DVD? I'm going to tell you next, right here on On Screen and Beyond. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Movie releases on DVD in November. Well, November 6th, you can catch Arthur Christmas. And you can get Fire with Fire with Josh Jumel and Bruce Willis. And Santa Dog with Hercules and Shorty Rossi. And, of course, Hercules and Shorty Rossi have been guests right here on On Screen and Beyond. And you can check it out at uh, onscreenandbeyond.com in our rerun section. And November 9th, The Amazing Spider-Man with Andrew Garfield comes your way. November 13th, Brave. And also, The Watch with Ben Stiller. 
On November 19th, Meatloaf, the Guilty Pleasure Tour, live from Sydney, will be coming your way. And also, Meatloaf's going to be a guest here at On Screen and Beyond, so be sure to be listening for that. And on November 20th, The Expendables 2 with Sylvester Stallone will be coming your way. November 27th, Lawless with Shia LaBeouf. And Paranorman will be coming your way. And also, Step Up Revolution. November 30th, Men in Black with Will Smith. And Jordan Sparks in Sparkle. That's it. Or movies on DVD coming your way in November. Coming up next on On Screen and Beyond, Kenny Miller is going to be coming your way. Kenny has done a lot of stuff musically and also acting. He was in I Was a Teenage Werewolf and also The Attack of the Puppet People. Now, those are two films that are perfect for this time of the year, with Halloween and everything, and we're featuring that. It's Kenny Miller. He's coming up next right here on On Screen and Beyond. Today on On Screen and Beyond, my guest is an actor who has worked in films with Charlton Heston, Orson Welles, Yul Brenner, and many others. He appeared in such cult classic films as I Was a Teenage Werewolf with Michael Landon and Attack of the Puppet People, directed by Bert I. Gordon. It's Kenny Miller. Kenny, welcome to On Screen and Beyond. Well, thank you, Brian. It's nice to be here. Kenny, I get so excited when I have somebody who was in a lot of the old sci-fi films that I loved watching as a kid. It's such an honor to have you on the show. Well, thank you. Was acting what you wanted to do from the beginning when you were a child? Yeah, Brian, I think the only thing I can think of, I came from a very strict family. My father was a preacher. And, of course, going to movies or any of that type of thing were were not allowed in (laughs) my household. But I don't know. For some reason, I started... uh, when I was very young, thinking that I wanted to be an entertainer, primarily in the musical end of it. And, mm-hmm. of course, then is when MGM and all those wonderful movies were being made, the big musicals and so forth. Unfortunately, I was a little bit too young to sneak away from home and go out, out to Hollywood at that time, so I missed out on them. But, yeah, it's always been uh, the one love of my life. And when I was in junior high school, I won a talent contest unbeknown to my mother and father except to my brothers and i got my own radio show and from that uh, i went on to uh, do some other kinds of shows and i wrote a stage production with the kids from in my school and all that stuff so it was always the one thing even though i had to sneak and tell fibs all the time behind my mom and dad Mm -hmm. back to do it, it it was really the one thing that uh, I really wanted to do and and went after. Yeah. Was there any of uh, a certain actor or a certain movie or something that, that just sparked that in you, or was it the overall MGM-type films, that the musicals that were Well, know, it wasn't you? just because I didn't get to go to too many MGM-type music, mu- musicals, but uh, there were the, uh, the B-type musicals with uh, from Allied Artists and so forth mm-hmm. that had a lot of, you know, like Mel... Torme and, and Jane yeah. Frise and all these people that uh, I could sneak and go to the Majestic Theater sometime and and uh, see them and so forth too. But uh, there wasn't anybody except the one person who uh, I, I did idolize was Danny Kaye. And 
lucky enough, later on, just before I graduated from high school, they had a, a talent search to for uh, someone to play Danny Kay as a young man uh, in the uh, uh, Harold Lloyd story. And I, they came in, I was doing a show, and uh, I was going to go to Hollywood to be tested for that, but then the whole uh, show fell apart, the, the life story of, uh, uh, of this great comic, uh, because of Danny Kaye's wife, who was his manager, didn't like the script or whatever. But anyway, mm-hmm. I adored and loved the comedy and the fact that he was funny and could sing and dance and all that. Yeah. And of course, a lot of people said I looked an awful lot like him at that time, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now that you mention it, yeah, I can yeah. see the resemblance. <laughs> yeah. Did now? Did you ever get a chance to meet him in person? Yeah. I, another strange thing, when I was living in, in Palm Beach, Florida, uh, he used to come to Palm Beach all the time. You know, he, was, he loved flying, and he had his own plane. And there was a gal there who used to uh, cut my hair and... She told me one day, she said, you won't believe who came in that was brought here by Burt Reynolds to get his hair cut. And, and I said, who? She said, Danny Kaye. And I said, oh, my God, you got to be kidding. And then later on down the road, uh, when he was flying in to get his hair cut, I went up to North Hollywood, in, uh, in, which is in Florida, and, uh, and waited until he came and got to meet him and talk to him and and then I got to see him a couple of times after that. He was a wonderful, wonderful man. Yeah. You must have been thrilled to be able to see your idol like that. <laughs> oh, yeah, it was great. It really was. Did you continue on after high school? Well, yeah. My uh, Unfortunately, my father passed away when I was 16. Before I did run away from home and during one summer uh, and went out to California and hitchhiked. And... Uh, I was all of 15 years old, and uh, how I eluded the <laughs> the police and everything, I don't still know, but I, it was one of those crazy things, and of course, when my father found out, there was a uh, boy that I went to school with whose family had moved out there, and that's where I went to stay, at least I had a place to stay when I, when I got to Eagle Rock, which is a suburb of Los Angeles, and... Uh, but, of course, I stayed there, and they thought I was going to the Grand Canyon to visit him in the Grand Canyon. But mm-hmm. uh, to make a long story uh, longer, anyway, my father had me sent back by the juvenile authorities, and they put me on a bus and sent me back so I could be back in time to go back to school in my senior year. So then uh, during that year, my father passed away, and uh, my mother uh, sort of, could understand my love for uh, wanting to be an entertainer, but she still never accepted it because they were uh, from the background that uh, that type of thing wasn't exactly of God's will. And uh, But I did convince her, and I had my own radio show, and I was doing things and making money, and I saved money. And when, when I was uh, the year after I graduated, uh, she agreed because I had some other friends who lived in Los Angeles that I could go out and stay with them who she knew and and try to break into this wonderful magic land of uh, motion pictures. So mm. that was when I left and uh, uh, came to Hollywood. Yeah. Do you remember what your first acting role was? Oh, well, I sure do. I was uh, 
in uh, a, a, a wonderful situation because I had left Ohio, and, and my mother used to send all my mail and everything to it, but it was during the draft thing, and I was then 19 years old, and uh, my I got drafted, but I got drafted in Ohio, and so I didn't get this letter to where I was living in, in uh, Hollywood, and that was, and I, I had gotten cast in my first movie, which was called Fearless Fagan, F-A-G-A-N, which was uh, with Carlton Carpenter and Janet Lee. Yeah, and Keenan and Wynn was, was in it. Yes, mm-hmm. Keenan Wynn yeah. and Barbara Ruick. And I, I had like two or three days supposedly work. But when I got home from my first day, I was playing a young soldier. It was a story about a guy who was drafted and went to Fort Ord and took his pet lion with him and kept it in the in, in the, uh, the woods. It's a, it was a true story. and But anyway, I just was one of the many. I was like a, a glorified extra. Mm-hmm. But I, when I got home that night, there was this thing, and I called my agent, uh, who was my first agent and a new agent, and he said, well, don't worry, we'll get you deferred. You know, you just go to the studio in the morning, and blah, blah, blah. And uh, so I had called somebody about that, and they said, no, Kenny, because you're you know, they'll come and get you if they find out where you are because you were, you're like evading the tax, I mean, the tax, what is it called, the, the uh, uh, being drafted. Right, yeah. Right. You should have been uh, in, in Ohio and, and done that. But anyway, uh, so I went downtown to where I had to go, and, well, I wasn't on call that morning anyway. It was an, an MGM film. And, of course, that in itself was such an exciting thing for me to even be on the be on the lot at oh, yeah. MGM, but Jeez. and Stanley Donan directed it, who ended up making some of the great musicals too later on. But this was not a musical. But anyway, my agent kept saying, "Don't worry, we're getting you deferred. Get you deferred." And I started going through all the stuff and the, the things that had to fall out the, and to fill out. Not fall out. I was falling out of my mind. But uh, I did uh, keep thinking, you know, I'm going to be deferred and. That afternoon, I kept calling my agent. He said, well, Kenny, I'm afraid we can't get you deferred. And I went to the induction center without anything, not even a toothbrush. And I was on the train that afternoon at 5 o'clock on my way to the real Fort Ord. Wow. And I was inducted into the the infantry. They didn't waste time, did they? <laughs> no, they didn't waste any time, that's for sure. Wow. It was a funny coincidence. So I never got to finish my big role. The only thing that I did do in the one scene, the one day I was there, I'm in, we're in the woods looking for the lion, and I have a line that says, all clear over here, sir. And, and, and the thing is, it was dark, so you could barely see me except the flashlight flashes over my face. And the movie did come out when I was in basic training up in Camp Roberts, mm-hmm. and uh, of course I had made people believe I was a co-starring in the film. <laughs> well, in my mind I was, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and there, here was my one big line still there, but you couldn't hardly see me. Well, I could see me, but most people couldn't because there were a lot of other soldiers looking for the line at the time. Too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, but, but, it was but how was it seeing yourself on screen for the first time? Oh, it was really exciting, you know. I'm sure. It, it, it really... I, I I I was so, and of course I was there with a bunch of buddies, you know, because we were in basic training. We went to the the base theater to see it, and 
Oh, that's and uh, I. But you would like you would have thought afterwards. I I did have a co-starring co role in it, but uh, that was only in my mind. Yeah. However, <laughs> but that was my first big debut into motion pictures. Yeah, hey, you got to got to start someplace. That's, yeah, right. You know, yeah, and, and and with a movie with Janet Leigh and Keenan Wynn is is a pretty good place to start. I mean, oh yes, because later in my life I got to know and also work again with Janet Leigh, who I adore, yeah. and became. Good nice. friends with her and loved her dearly. She was one of the dearest, sweetest people that I've ever known in this business. She was just out of this world, yeah. beautiful. Yeah. How was it? Had you seen her in films bef before this uh, fearless? Yes, Lincoln? but I didn't really know. You know, I couldn't. I didn't see that many films oh, at, that's at true, that yeah. time, and so I didn't know the different people or whatever, except in some of those. Uh, allied artists or uh, monogram movies, that, uh, B movies, mm -hmm. that we had a lot of young people in. I knew, you know, some of them because I would sneak off and get to see them on Saturday morning. So uh, that's when I could always go play with some of my buddies. They thought, but I was going and and paying my big ten cents to go to the early matinee <laughs> and and see the film. So, uh, no, but you... I didn't know the actual names of the stars till later yeah now you were you had a part um in east of eden right yeah it, it was well it was actually uh, uh the uh, like a monologue or uh, a prologue actually is what it was called of me and dick davalos and julie harris walking across uh, the high school in a scene uh and discussing about them there had seen a a uh, submarine off of monterey bay and so on, and then Jimmy Dean comes up and joins us, and I continue walking a little bit as they had some dialogue, and I said, I'll see you later. But it was in the original, when they released the movie, I shouldn't say when it was released in theaters, but when the first time I saw it, mm -hmm. the prologue was still there, and then they decided that it didn't mean that much, or it was a little too early to, you know, to have something about... A submarine being sunk off of Monterey Bay at the very beginning of the movie, because mm. that most people weren't aware of that, because this all, of course, all took place up near Monterey in that area. Uh, uh, I mean, the actual movie itself did, but but it was cut out, so uh, I don't use it in my credits uh, any, anymore or uh, or have, and it's also the uh, a different direction, but with the uh, the movie I worked two weeks on. With with Jimmy uh, too was Rebel Without a Cause, but that too was changed after two weeks, and uh, they decided it was going to be a Technicolor movie, and they changed the uh, script and they cut down. I don't know for what reason. Everyone said it was Jimmy Dean's idea because he had too many gang, too many of the gang members in the, in in the, the gang that that, uh, that was in the movie. Mm -hmm. And so uh, they cut down after what they did the first two weeks in black and white, and it was done around Tiny Naylor's drive-in in Hollywood, and then they moved everything up to the uh, 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 oh God, I can't, the, the thing where they look at the stars. <laughs> oh, the observatories? <laughs> yes, the observatories. And so I, uh, I'm i in a couple scenes, but I, I, there again, I don't use it as a credit anymore because uh, mm -hmm. I, I am on 
uh, in the uh, the, CD, uh, the DVD and so forth in the uh, uh, screen tests and all that. And there's a scene with me and, and Jimmy and all that, which uh, I, I do have pictures from that and so forth. But I, like I say, I'm, I'm, it was a great experience, and I love Nicholas Ray. He was such a wonderful director too. But uh, it was one of those. I had a very sad story, uh, which I'm probably getting a little ahead of my what you would want me to. But a few years ago, somebody said that they were having uh, it was the uh, uh, celebration, or that's the wrong word, of the death of James Dean, and they were showing. Uh, his movies at the Egyptian theater, and mm-hmm. I had come in to back to town. Anyway, I called, and they told me when uh, when Rebel would be on and all that so forth. And, and uh, so I, I went to see it, and but they showed a uh, behind-the-scenes thing, which I was in, you know, with all the gang and blah, blah, blah. And there was one scene, all of a sudden, where we're all sort of hanging around and talking to Nicholas Ray, and there was... Uh, there, there was a Nick, Nick Adams, and of course Dennis Hopper, and uh, and Jimmy, and Natalie Wood, and so forth. But the, thank that really I had to actually leave the theater, and I looked up at the screen, and I was the only one still alive in that sequence wow. that they had filmed. And it was a boy that was a, hard to take. It really, I was. can imagine. Jeez, yeah. yeah. That same year, back in 1955, uh, were you in the service at that time? Yes, I, I, I was in the service for two years, and I, I was stationed um, most of that time in Berlin. And I was still in the infantry. I never changed, although I was putting together shows. And when I got to Berlin, they, I, I was assigned to the 6th Infantry, and uh, they didn't have any entertainment uh, NCO or anything, and so they sort of let me want to know if I wanted to do that and, you know, bring in some entertainment and so forth, too. And I said, sure. So I did that. But uh, what the Army didn't know, that they were also filming uh, a remake of the Flash Gordon series mm-hmm. with a great guy named Steve Holland, who was primarily a model, but uh, they he sure looked like uh, Flash Gordon and all that. But <laughs> Tala Burrell, who was uh, a, had been a big star years ago, uh, in from I, I, she was from Holland or I don't know exactly, but she was the entertainment editor and director for the whole Berlin Command for the Americans, and she knew about my you know being an actor and wanting to be and all that stuff, and so she submitted me for a part in, in the uh, in the series, and. So what happened is, unbeknownst to the Army and with her helping cover up, I got cast in uh, uh, the Flash Gordon series as Tough Luck Hogan, who was a uh, a newspaper guy who stood out in front of uh, where they came in and out to to get all their their, their stuff onto their uh, spacecraft and all that. Mm -hmm. And so I had scenes and so forth with with Flash and Dale and Dr. Zarkoff and all that. And it was a great, great experience because yeah. it was not uh, probably one of the most uh, professional type because we did it in a little studio in Spandau, which was right outside of one side of the Berlin Command. And uh, it was partly blown up and all that. But used, 
use a lot of good German actors and so forth, but uh, it just, uh, the sets and so forth were, well, left a lot to your imagination, but it was a great learning experience. Right, yeah, yeah. Great. Now, you also had a part in one of the episodes of The Cisco Kid. That was my first television movie, and I couldn't believe that I got cast because it's quite a good part. Oh, I used to love that show. <laughs> I know. Well, And the other thing, which was so wonderful, which just blows my mind, that that whole series back then was, was filmed in color. Oh, it was? Okay. Yeah. I just remember it from black and white. I don't remember it in color. Yeah. Well, I think on television most of the time, but it was filmed for some reason because uh, in, in uh, the episode that I saw or I, that they show it shows, and I said, where did you get that? And I said, that's the original. Wow. And so forth. But anyway, I and I had, uh, had a wonderful time in working with Leo Carrillo and Duncan Ronaldo and, of course, they were like gods to me because right. I had seen that show before and mm-hmm. so forth, too. And most all my scenes were with Leo Carrillo, and he was just the sweetest guy. And the only thing I, I that used to sort of make me laugh because we shot out in Calabasas out in the heat of, of the desert here in California. And, I, and, and Latin actors, they really believe in wearing makeup. And, boy, those guys would be hot in the middle of, you know, 100 degrees, and poor Leo Carrillo, who was, you know, kind of healthy, and so forth, and doing a scene with him, and you could see the mascara running down his face, and, <laughs> and it was very hard not to start to, uh, chuckling a little bit when you weren't supposed to, and so forth, because the, the makeup people always had to come in and, and, and uh, touch them up and all that stuff, yeah. but boy, they loved to have a lot of makeup on, well, I guess it make them, made them look younger or whatever, yeah. so <laughs> it was a great experience, too. Yeah. Of course, this leads up, cult classic, I Was a Teenage Werewolf. How mm-hmm. did you get the part in that? Well, I, uh, I, I had an interview with my, my gal, Polly Robertson, I think that's her name. Uh, it's been a few days ago. Right. Uh, anyway, uh, she said, you know, you have an interview to go see this show, and uh, but we're not, you know, I don't know whether we, we want you to go or not, because I hadn't done that much. I just, you know, I'd done some stuff, but not that much. And, and I said, what is it? And they said, it was, I was a teenage werewolf, which at that point was the laughing stock of Hollywood, that they oh, really? were doing this movie called I Was a Teenage Werewolf. And when I said, what kind of a piece of junk is that? <laughs> <You know? laughs> and all that. And I said, well, uh, you know, what, what if she said, well, you, you just go and do your best shot because it might work out to be something good. And so I went and uh, with her, with Polly, and, uh, and met uh, Herman Cohen, who was a really nice guy, and uh, so forth. And he said, well, you're what we're looking for, that, you know, and so forth. And I read for him and very jittery and uh but uh and then a few days later why Polly Holmes said, Well Kenny they, they have a part for you in the movie and uh you know it's gonna start blah 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 and there was no question do you want to do it or not because it was you know, I wanted to do anything plus it was right. for money. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. No, I don't blame you. <laughs> so I got I got cast as, as Vic and as we and they got the script and so forth and uh there was this guy who had written a song uh, called Jerry Blaine that uh, I, I think he thought he was going to sing it in the movie, but Polly got to Herman Cohen and said, well, you know, Kenny sings, you know, and he's 
getting ready to do his first nightclub act and all that stuff. And, you know, and he said, well, we'll get the song and so forth. And so anyway, I did, I got to do the song and they added it in into the movie. Eeny, meeny, miny, mo, right? Yeah, eeny, meeny, yes. miny, mo. Yeah. Which haunts me everywhere I go. <laughs> <laughs> now, is is this I, recently? Um, I had Julie Adams, who played uh, the the girl in the Creature from the Black Lagoon. Oh yeah, I know Julie very well. Okay, yeah. Julie was She's on the show, heart. and she said for years the Creature from the Black Lagoon it, it just wouldn't go away. It was always coming back. Now, do you feel the same way about the uh, I was a teenage werewolf? That it's, it's one of those films that it, it's it's just there all the time. Well, you know, it's it's a cult classic now, yeah. Oh, and, yeah. and you know. But the the other thing about the song, you know, because the movie was so cheap, we did it in a little over two weeks. Wow! And I mean, we were on call all the time. We never left the set. It wasn't like you know, you came and worked for you know half a day and then you were through. But regardless of that, when we did the song, normally you pre-record the song and then you lip sync mm-hmm. to it. Yeah. Well, they couldn't afford to, you know, do that. So they said, when we score the film, a guy named Paul Dunlap was going to do the scoring, who had done a lot of good movies. I, I didn't know who he was then. Mm-hmm. But funny enough, he turned out to be from my hometown of Springfield, Ohio. Oh, really? Yeah, but anyhow, so we had to learn the song, and I was did it with this darling little girl, Cindy Robbins, who was my girlfriend in several films, and we always end up dancing and everything. But uh, but in the middle, we danced. But there was no music. Oh, jeez. So the thing was no big deal. We you know did it many times and got it right, and what we thought and all that. But at the, they had a premiere of it at the 20th Century Fox Theater down on Hollywood Boulevard. And a lot of my cohorts like Connie Stevens and Dodie Stevens and mm-hmm. Troy and all of them came, they invited them to the to premiere because they sat in the back and of course the rest of it was mostly family and kids of people that uh, the, of the crew and all that stuff and when e- when Eeny Meeny Miney Mo came on I, want, I wanted to crawl out the door <laughs> because it was two bars out of sync uh-huh. and I thought I was going to die. Of course, the kids were going crazy. Right, I mean, yeah. in the theater, they were, and everybody. And here's my friends, who a lot of them are singers, and I'm thinking, oh, God. And they said, well, can you, but, you know, it sounds like it's a little bit out of sync, didn't it? And I said, a little bit out of sync. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so at the, afterwards, we're going out to the lobby, and Herman says, don't worry, Kenny. Don't. We're going to fix that. We're going to fix it. It won't take much. You know, we we got. You know, we can do that. And, we'll, and I said, Oh well, God, that's cause that's really embarrassing. Anyhow, I went to see it in Paris uh, a year or so later. He has been playing for almost a year at one theater, and I thought, Well, I want to go see what I sound like speaking French. Number one, but I can hear Eeny Meeny Miny Mo in sync. Yeah. Well, you believe it, Brian? They don't do that because it costs too much money. Jeez. <laughs> so when the when Eeny Meeny Miney Mo came on, it was out of sync, and of course they used my voice. They didn't have somebody else mm-hmm. come in yeah. and redo it, the, the song. So the every show that I do, in fact, I sang it at the last show at, at the Monster Bash because. The fans sort of demand and when I, yeah. I, I appear, and I do sing, too, uh, at these shows. Mm-hmm. And 
Uh, so I, they can be eeny, meeny, and of course they all they know all the words and everything else. <laughs> but the only consolation I can say, well, at least you're going to hear it once when it's in sync. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but it it has it it like a lot of times when they're showing it, I have to I just leave because I uh, it, it makes me crazy to mm. think that. Uh, they couldn't come up with 150 bucks, which is what it would probably have cost to put it back into sync before yeah. they actually released it. But well, it's it's something you got to live with. Wow. But yeah. it's great fun, and I'm so glad. And and the fans now, and the new fans, they just love that song. So. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I do it. I'm <laughs> <laughs> glad great. to do it. Believe me. Yeah. And, and the cast in there, uh, I mean, uh, of course, Michael landed, but uh, Whit Bissell was also on there who went on to a time tunnel and the time oh, machine. Yeah. And... Oh, what a great actor he is. Yeah. Or was, yes. Yeah. Unfortunately, I didn't have any scenes with Whit, but I got to meet him and, and uh, just a wonderful, wonderful guy and such a dedicated actor. And of course, he became a very busy, busy actor and mm. did lots and lots of films and television and, uh, and, and and got what he deserved, a lot of wonderful good parts and, and became the uh, known actor that he should have been. Yeah. Now, I, I'm sure you've been asked this millions of times, uh, but I have to ask you, because our audience will want to hear about it, but uh, Michael Landon, uh, what was it like working with him? Of course, it was his... Uh, very first movie, I believe, right? Yes, it was. Yeah, uh-huh. and you know he wasn't on Bonanza yet or anything like that. So no, how no. how was it working with him? Oh, it was great because I had met him a couple of times, and his wife then was Dodie, and uh, he he was you know really wanted to, to 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 do something big anyway. But anyhow, when he got cast in this, why uh, it it was the one thing that in my uh, humble opinion that saved that movie because it was because of Michael Landon not taking it as a joke but taking it as a, a, a part and he did he was so dedicated and and so into what he was doing and and we were all you know young and that was like my third or fourth film I don't know but uh, I wasn't an old hand at it either so we were all trying but he was he no he didn't come out with us to, to go have a drink or do anything that, you know, some of us did do sometimes, uh, even though we weren't maybe old enough <laughs> to do it. But, but he just was so dedicated and had to go through all that makeup because, you know, a lot of people think it was a mask and all that, and no, it wasn't, man. And and he'd have to, sometimes we'd uh, be finished or whatever and something would come up and he'd be halfway uh, out of the makeup and the makeup man and doing and it it had hurt that t- taking that uh, stuff off you know it's yeah. like plastic and uh, he would have to get back into it but well, he never he, he never lost his cool he was so dedicated and uh, and we had so much fun you know too when we're doing the film and there so many funny things happened you know like yeah. uh, in the quickly I'll tell you the one scene where I go up behind him. And this is just when he's starting to notice that something's wrong, and we're at a Halloween party, and it's it's the scene where I do everything known to man. In like ten minutes, somebody says you went through every type of 
of uh, action that could be in one movie. But I go up behind him and blow it like a horn, and he turns around and whops me. And, well, we had a stuntman. Well, Tony Marshall was the stuntman who was also an actor on in the movie. And they, they choreographed, so, you know, for the camera. And we were both excited, but when he turned around, and he supposedly hits me and knocks me over into the into the on the couch well i either got to my wrong space or he got to his wrong place and he turned around and hit me and knocked me ass over elbow <laughs> over the thing and in the middle of it he goes oh kenny and gene fowler the director said oh no he said oh god that was the best but you said, Kenny, why didn't you say Vic? Oh, <laughs> but it was, and of course my nose was bleeding and we had to stop and do everything else. But, and poor, well, he ran up to me and grabbed me because he thought he'd hurt me. Mm, yeah. Michael, you know, he was such a, a sensitive, caring person and uh, and just a, a great guy. And had, uh, he, he, as I got to know him through the years, he loved practical jokes, and he was always doing big practical jokes on people, too. But uh, he certainly was a brilliantly talented man. And then, of course, from that, uh, from Teenage Werewolf, he eventually got on, onto Bonanza. Right, and yeah. Of course, his history, because he never, never stopped working and ending up doing his own shows, right. his own writing, his own producing, his own directing. Yeah. He's just a brilliant man, and uh, we we lost him much, much too oh, yeah. soon. Now, what you sang in the movie, um, had your singing career started before that? or was... No, it, I was getting ready to uh, go into my first nightclub, which was a, a, a nightclub in Beverly Hills called Ye Little Club, where a lot of... Uh, people like Jimmy Rogers and Trini Lopez and so forth. Well, Trini Lopez was my entertain was the uh, well not the entertainment they call it a different thing now. But he 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 was like my uh, he walked around with his guitar b- between my shows at the little club and so forth. And he wasn't even billed as you know as a performer and so forth then. But a lot of people started there, Joni Summers and so on. But uh, everyone said, well, you should, you know, and I had a, this wonderful guy named Al Anthony who had written some other people's uh, nightclub acts who, acts who did my nightclub act, and it was just so great. He did it. It was so right for me. And, of course, I was then with the fan magazines, as you probably remember, Brian. <laughs> I, you know, I, there wasn't a, probably a fan magazine during that period that I wasn't in for some reason. Mm-hmm. I was, they, they called me the darling of the fan magazine, and I said, no, 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 I'm not a darling. I, call me the prince of the fan magazine. <laughs> that sounds a little better. But uh, Army Archer, who wrote, who wrote for Rye, wrote yes. the next day that if a bomb had gone at, off at Ye Little Club, it would be the end of all Hollywood TV shows, because practically every young star, you know, from Troy, Troy Donahue, Burt Reynolds, all were there at my opening night. Uh-huh. And it, it was very, very exciting. And uh, from that, of course, I went into uh, doing other nightclubs and going 
uh, around the world eventually mm. and so forth, appearing in Europe and so on. And uh, I was very lucky to have that as backup when mm. I wasn't doing a film or doing television. So Now, you mentioned Burt Reynolds a couple times, and you, you actually appeared in his show, uh, B.L. Stryker, in the 80s and 90s. Did, uh-huh. Were you good friends with him? Oh, yeah. Well, he was like my brother. Really? Yeah, I got to know Burt uh, in Hollywood when... Uh, he first was there, and he had a series and so on. And uh, he, uh, he and Bob Fuller and Doug McClure and all of us used to go out. And, and uh, but uh, Bert sort of was he had the idea that he was supposed to, you know, uh, take his work home with him. And he also he was uh, kind of not much fun to be around, you know, until he realized that you know, you, you know, you, you got to have a a life and you know like fan magazines and all that that was kid stuff and all that junk but uh, I, I finally convinced him along you know with a couple other people that you know he should go to uh, go to some of the parties and do different things and just relax and not try to be Marlon Brando mm. you know which of course was his idol at that time too but uh, we became really good friends and uh, and I did convince people to invite him and they found out that he had a great sense of humor one of the funniest guys that ever lived and uh he was a great guy and uh ended up uh introducing him to my press agent nancy strevak who was a gal who took such wonderful care of me all my life and helped me have the career that i've had and still I'm very much in touch with her. She lives in Sedona, Arizona, mm-hmm. and uh, but then Bert got with her, and, uh, and and she took became his press agent and so forth, and uh, and helped mold him into the star. Of course, he was lucky enough to get uh, some, some good scripts, and of course, he had a couple other television shows too, series, yeah. Yeah. and. Uh, but I, he was from Florida, and uh, I worked in Florida and so forth, and I got to meet his mom and dad and all that. And uh, we became, and my mom and my mother had passed away then too, so they became sort of my second family. And then uh, when he got so successful and was going to build a ranch up in Jupiter, why well, I helped build the ranch, and I had part of it. I had five acres of the ranch, and... Uh, uh, and well, and, and I lived there on the ranch with his mom and dad. And whenever he was in town, of course, he was everywhere then. Right. <laughs> the, the big, uh, the number one box office star in the world. Mm, you know, but yeah. uh, we, we, we have. Uh, well, he, like I say, he's he's like my my big brother, and uh, he's he he did wonderful things. Where he actually had the part written for me for like B.L. Stryker and. Wow. things like that yeah. so uh, he's, he's really been a, a close wonderful friend like I say he's my, my big brother and yeah. his mom and dad are both gone and and, and his sister and that part of that of my other family but uh, he's not feeling very well and he's had a lot of problems lately and I don't see him as much as I'd like to yeah. because he doesn't uh, want to see people well i guess because he doesn't feel good yeah and, uh, yeah i can't blame him but but uh, i owe him a, an awful lot of gratitude and love for all the things he did for me and uh, uh, and the way he helped me and like i say he 
supposed to have them write the original part of uh, Wally in uh, B.L. Stryker for mm-hmm. me, too. So, and, mm-hmm. uh, and mm-hmm. I sang on it and all that stuff, too. So, <laughs> uh, it, it was due to him, believe me. Wow. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Now, Attack of the Puppet People, mm-hmm. another cult classic. Bert I. Gordon was on our show, so, you know, we got to talk to Bert about that. But I want to take it from the actor's perspective on that film. Here you are working with these huge sets. <laughs> oh, well, it was just, you know, we weren't allowed to see the sets because it, the sets were actually two sound stages. And we, I mean, well, we hadn't started shooting yet, cause, but. Bird Eye Gordon is such a perfectionist. I mean, everything in that, from the telephone to the wires to the, we're in connection, you know, I, I don't know the word, but whatever the size was in real life, you know, like the phone on the screen next to what we were, because we were supposed to be 12 inches high. Right, yeah. And it was such, and the first day, they had the whole cast, all the major people, there and and we had to wait you know outside of, of the sound stage and we walked in and they had the whole through the whole sound stages lit up well if that what i mean that was the most outrageous thing i had ever seen because they looked so real you know oh, and it yeah. was real it, it just unbelievable and i think the wonderful thing now that people see it in young people and uh, you know the, the teenagers now and and they love it so much because the special effects are were all made they're not animation or there's not you know everything on that set is there with now with most of all of the uh, of the, the, the the movies now the sci-fi and all that all the special effects are you know they're 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 animated, but that's right. not, there are other things too. There's another word on CGI it. CGI and, yeah. and, and green screens and everything yeah, else. Yeah, and all yeah. that stuff. But he did it all. You know, it's like I had a scene where I had to climb up a door to to, to look out the, to look out the keyhole. So it was like a regular door. The, but the door was thirty feet high. It was almost to the top of the set, and. In that movie, for some reason, I guess it was a fashion. I was wearing really tight pants for some reason. But anyway, I had to climb up this, which was supposed to be a string, but it was a thick uh, rubber, uh, not string, but uh, you know, I threw up over the doorknob and I had to climb it up like a thing for uh, for this in place of the string. And as I was going up the side of the door, you know, which was very painful. I mean, that's what you were using muscles in your back and and I'm and we weren't using any sound and I'm feeling something rip and I'm yelling, Bert, my pants are ripping and he said, What? I said, My pants are ripping He says, Keep going, keep going And I'm climbing and I said, 
Bert, my pants are ripping more. He said, do you have on underwear? <laughs> and I said, well, of course I have on underwear. He said, well, keep going, keep going. <laughs> and I climbed all the way up and could hardly move when I got up there and put my arms around this huge doorknob, and it started coming loose. <laughs> and it was going, and I said, the doorknob is coming loose. So the grips and everybody ran and got a big canvas. And so that night, he said, Keep coming down, keep coming down, slowly. And I got about halfway down, and the whole thing came off, and I fell, thank God, into the canvas, and had like 10 guys holding it. Wow. And so I didn't get hurt, only uh, I had to go to a, a massage, uh, a masseuse that night, so I could move my arms and everything. But, but he, you know, getting back to Bert, I didn't mean to get away from it, but he, he would have made me go up there, you know, probably even if my pants had ripped all the way off and he would have explained it somehow in the script, I don't know, but, but he is, he was, he was absolutely brilliant. But today everything stands up, you know, the the, the kids and people, when, when I'm signing autographs and talking to the, to the fans or to the, my friends, I like to call them, uh, they, they just think it. How did you do that? And how did they do? And I said, "It's we we did it." And poor old John Agar, who was a little bit older than I was then, this like climbing up on the, the he had to climb up the uh, the phone, mm-hmm. uh, 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 you know, the not the, the the thing that's connected to the phone, yeah, the, the wire, telephone wire, yeah, yeah, the wire thing. But it's not a wire. But anyway, and he 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 couldn't work the next day. Because the pain just, you know, because that was, you know, we're talking about 20 feet for him to climb up the side of that desk. Yeah, so this and, was very physical movie. Oh, it, it really, really was. But but the sets and the and the, the art people that 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 Bert used, and, well, it's, it's all his idea. And, of course, he did so many other outrageous, wonderful sci-fi and horror films, too, that have that same type of feel about him you know mm-hmm. he, he was just well, wonderful wonderful to work with him and i i still that's one movie that whenever i can i still see if it's being showed i don't stay for maybe all of it but i go and you know with the when the fans are there watching it why it, it's so exciting to see the the way that or think you know the way he's doing it but it's actually being done and that's actual the size of the uh, of the uh, props and everything else. Yeah, so amazing, it was amazing. A great experience. <laughs> yeah. Now you've done a, a lot of different movies with a lot of, I mean, huge actors. Uh, uh, Paul Newman and and uh, Charlton Heston twice. And yeah, right. Lauren yeah. Green and E.G. Marshall and Yul Brenner. It, it, it just goes on and on. And Anthony Quinn. <laughs> the Anthony, yeah, Anthony yeah. Quinn. He directed you, right? Yes, in the Buccaneer. Buccaneer, yeah. That, yeah. that, you must have been thrilled working on that set. Oh, my God, it was wonderful. I, I had done Touch of Evil with Orson Welles directing. You, there's another one. <laughs> oh, God, that was wonderful. And Charlton and Janet Lee, who I, that's where I really got to know her and love her even more, and and Marlena Dietrich. And, I mean, it, and to be with those people every day, and, I, and I, Orson Welles signed me two weeks before the movie, because I was to be the head of a gang of like Pachucos, you know, on the border of Mexico and and the U.S., and he wanted me to have curly hair. So Bud Westmore, I, you put me under contract, and I went to the 
the makeup hair department at Universal, and they gave me a permanent. And I, I looked like gorgeous George. You probably don't know who that is. <laughs> yes, the was, wrestler, right? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and, and so the one day, Orson got a little worried because he hadn't seen me for, you know, three or four days, and so he told Chico Day, the AD, to come and find me. And so he brought and, and I was in, in the dressing room doing something or whatever, and so he said, Mr. Wells wants to see in his bungalow. So he, he took me over, and I walk in, and I've never heard Orson Wells laugh so hard. You know, he's so big, and he was mm. not quite as big as he got later. Yeah. But yeah. that roaring loud, <laughs> he said, what in the, the a funny word, that are they trying to do to you? And he said, Chico, my God, go get Bud Westmore. <laughs> And he said, you got to cut part of this out. He looks like that wrestler. He looks <laughs> <Jeez>. <laughs> but anyway, I had such a wonderful time working with him, and uh, he got to like me, and I got to know him, and uh, everybody's so afraid of him and all that. But well, he was, I was uh, going to say, he seems like such an intense person. Oh, but he isn't. If you do... You know, he only gets upset if people don't do their homework and people don't know their lines or, you know, or people do something stupid. He can't send stupidity. Like, I, I'll quickly tell you this story. I got a, one time I was on the set because we hadn't started shooting because I was getting my hair uncut or uncurled. And Chico said, you know, Mr. Wells is going down to Los Angeles to look for extras uh, and he wants you to come with us. And I said, oh, that'd be great. And I said, no, we can't, he can't, can't. And I said, well, yes, I can. And so I said, I'll come and do this later. So I go over to the to the bungalow, and of course there's this big limo, and, and Mr. Wells and Chico Day, and, who is Latino, we went down to East Los Angeles. And back that's when then was the gangs and all that. Mm-hmm, yeah. He wanted authentic-type, Latin-type gang members for the show. Yeah. And we, so we drove down and went down to the worst part of, of East L.A. And he rolled down the window, and they be standing on the corner or whatever, and he said, would you like to be in a movie? And the guy said, hey, man, what the fuck the matter with you? You crazy <laughs> son of a bitch. I don't know. And, and Chico then would talk to him in Spanish and say they didn't know who Orson Welles was from a pile of coal. Right. You know? <laughs> so they... And then they would keep explaining, you know, that this is a movie and they're going to get paid and all that. But it was the funniest thing. I mean, who else in the world would go to that? And and he hired like thirty or forty, and they had to put extra security on the on, on the set at Universal because they a lot of these guys were really. Uh, gang members. Right, they were afraid. <laughs> <from there. laughs> and, of course, the one thing that Mr. Wells did not allow, you know, he had his high chair, because he would make up part of the time when he would come in and start directing other people in scenes if, there weren't, if they weren't intense or didn't have any of the big stars in them. Mm-hmm. And he would have a, you know, the makeup uh, table and all that there. But he had this high, you know, the director's chair. And one day he got up to go over and talk to somebody or something, and one of the guys, one of the, the Latino boys, sat down in his chair. Well, I've never seen anybody go so crazy in my life. What are you? Oh, he went. And that poor Latino, did, you know, he thought it was the chair he could sit down in. He didn't know 
It was only for Mr. Wells. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> but boy, that guy got out of there. And well, in fact, he told the AC later because the guy did say something under his breath to him, uh, uh, to, to Orson. And so he should get rid of him. Wow. <laughs> so he was, he was paid and let go. But he, you know, that was probably uh, deserved. You know, the, the kids should, you know. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, but. Uh, and uh, years later, I got to know him, and and, and when I was in work, living and working in Europe, uh, I I got to go down to the Isle of Crete and and visit he and his wife, and uh, just well, it, it was a, a wonderful, wonderful association, mm-hmm. and uh, and he also became a very close friend of Bert's, and uh, would go over there at the parties and so on, and the one thing he always expected everybody to do and here you are with people like Marlena Dietrich and Kem Tamanoff and all these Jeez. people and you you would have before you leave you would have to do a game of charades really oh <laughs> uh, well you know that's it's, it's like auditioning you know for gone with the wind yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, huh. but it was all in fun but and he would like he loved you know the, and it, he liked to get them a little bit dirty not not mm-hmm. porno or anything like yeah, that, yeah. but just a little, uh, little uh, risque, spicy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so it was a great, great time. Huh. Wow. And in other movies you've been in, you've been in with uh, a lot of uh, uh, singers, pop singers like uh, Fabian and Bobby Vinton and Jackie yeah. DeShannon and Jimmy Rogers. Now, were you ever on American Bandstand? Oh my God, was I ever? I was on American Bandstand. Uh, when the first record that I ever did, I uh, had uh, met briefly Dick Clark and his uh-huh. wife at that time, Loretta. Wasn't Loretta? That's wrong. This is his second wife. But anyway, uh, <laughs> uh, and I got to know Dick and so on. But and then when he, the first show that he did in Los Angeles, uh, the PR lady Connie Denavi called me and said, "Kenny, uh, Dick wants you to co-host, a, a, you know, America Bandstand in Hollywood." Wow. And so, and of course, they got had everybody that was here. Faye was here, and, and Frankie, and Bobby Rydell, and Paul Anka, and wow. Annette. And, and these are all my people I ran around with. Mm-hmm. I mean, because I, then I was singing and recording and, you know, doing, but I, and then I did another show with him uh, uh, that was just a talk show that he got people like George Hamilton, which I knew very well, and, and Aunt Fabe, and, uh, and Bert and so on that they did he had him on the show but he like just uh, it wasn't where people were dancing it was just like a talk yeah. thing and I co-hosted that show uh, this was it was called Dick Clark Celebrity Bandstand or something yeah. so I and I helped him get a lot of people and I also ended up finding a place uh, out in the valley which they thought would be perfect for the shoot by uh, a friend of mine's uh, a pool and and stuff and so on. In fact, it was uh, all I could say is Jim Brown, and that's not right. He, he was he played on Rin Tin Tin. Um, oh God, isn't that terrible? He and his wife are good friends of mine, and Nancy Strebeck's my press agent, and so forth. And they had this beautiful place out in the valley, and would been ideal. And so the people from the show from ABC went out, and uh, he agreed. You know. James? Oh, it'll come to me and I'll call you. <laughs> I know you know who I'm talking about because he, he was, I think it is James Brown. 
Jimmy Brown. No, that doesn't sound like because Jim Brown was a black guy too. But mm-hmm. well, anyway, so I did that did that show from out there too, and and uh, I was running around with Jackie DeShannon a lot then too. In fact, I got through Maury Dexter, who was a a friend of mine who I'd done several fil- films at uh, 20th, and uh, I suggested uh, Jackie. And he didn't know her because she only had like one hit record at that point. Mm-hmm. And I arranged for him to meet her and took him over, took her over to his house and and uh, and meet his mother and all that stuff. And uh, and she ended up getting the part in the movie, playing my girlfriend. Mm-hmm. So that was great. Oh, she she's one of the most talented people. I swear to God, she's just uh, and such a writer. Most people don't realize that all the hit songs that she has oh, written yeah. for other people are just unbelievable. Yeah. Unbelievable. Wow. I'm uh, getting diarrhea of the mouth. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> well, Kenny, I, I, I want to finish up with uh, a couple final questions here. Okay. But before we get into those final two questions, if people want to get more information about you, or I know you've written some books, too, mm-hmm. in the past, where can they get information about you? Do you have a website? Uh, My website, yeah. What would that be? So my website is www.kennymiller.net. Okay, dot net. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, the books, uh, they'll... The they'll... book, all that information is on my website, how they can do it. If, if they, and it's also information if they want a book signed by me, how they do that. And uh, because it's a little bit long and involved to, to tell you what... Right, what, yeah. You know, but uh, it has my uh, my address and so forth. Where they, they, they uh, if they want to get it through the the company, which is the same price, uh, it it's got all that information in it too. And, okay. Uh, but in, but, but the, the the book is is called Hollywood Inside and Out: The Kenny Miller Story, and it's with a, a company called Bear Manor. Media, mm-hmm. which is a mm-hmm. company that writes mostly all about celebrities, and are so thrilled that uh, they wanted uh, my book, my autobiography, which was really written with me, but more written by mm-hmm. Donald Vaughn, who's a wonderful writer, and I, I'm so proud of that book. I have another book that was out by McFarland before, but it's out of print. It went to second uh, printing and did wonderful, but. Uh, this is the main one that I that mm-hmm. uh, I'm selling now or, or giving to the, the, my friends and fans who want a book. Yeah, and what we'll do is we'll put a, a link on our website so people can just click on it and go to your website and oh, get all that information. I know something I can tell you while I think about it. I just got a, a call from from Donald Vaughn yesterday. He lives in in Raleigh, North Carolina, and he did a story which will be in this month's Famous Monster magazine. Mm-hmm. Uh, about the making me and the well me about uh, making of I was a teenage werewolf was really? in a story that uh, about my uh, part in it and all that stuff which you might be interested in in looking at and maybe some of our friends might like to to uh, to get the, the book because I I mean it is a very well known magazine I know and mm-hmm. so forth too so yeah. uh, it, it'll be out well this is October right. so it, it's out on the stands I guess sometime this month yeah well we're going to finish up with the final two questions okay and it takes us away from your acting and your singing and it's a more personal thing it's about uh, what do you like to watch 
now and in the past, what are your favorite TV shows of all time? My favorite TV shows, boy, boy, that's a hard question <laughs> of all time. My favorite TV shows of all time. Or what you're watching now and what you enjoy. Well, uh, I love Once Upon a Time. <laughs> ah, yes, yeah. It's and, a good show. Uh, well, I love, in, in, I like the, the uh, CIS shows. I don't watch all of them, but mm-hmm. I like the original one. Yeah. Uh, I think the best. Uh, I love... I love dancing with the stars. Yeah, very popular. Because <laughs> yep. being a part of what I love to do, and right. I, I, it's hard for me to imagine how those people who aren't dancers can whip up a routine like they do in a couple weeks. I swear to God. Any just... any idea who you you think uh, you're watching it now, or do you do you have any favorite that you think will win this time? <laughs> yeah, I think I, I think I don't even know his, his name. I think he's a he's a Latin. Um, uh, I don't. I don't know his name, but it's such a difficult name. Yeah. But he's very Latin. I uh-huh. know that. Yeah. Yeah. But that and uh, and I love that that little girl that that they brought back. The gymnast. Uh, huh. The gymnast girl. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. She, she's Has dynamite. Yeah. <laughs> I think she's going to explode though before the show's <laughs> over. But I think she's great. Yeah. Yeah. What about movies? What are your favorite movies of all time? Oh. Not necessarily ones you were in, but you know, yeah. just show movies you enjoyed. Well, boy, that's hard too because I'm, I, I'm really such a fan of, of movies, and uh, uh, it'd just be hard for me to to think of, um, you know, to to pick one. I I know. The one that always comes to my mind is the first movie I ever saw in my life, and I saw it with my father and mother in a church. And I've seen it recently again, but uh, I, I just it made such an impression, and that was a movie called The King of Kings. King of Kings, okay. Which was just in black and white, and mm-hmm. it was just, I believe it was a Cecil B. DeMille. Ah, okay. And you talk about a wonderful thrill in my life to be and get to know and work with Cecil B. DeMille right, before he yeah. passed away. That was such an honor for me. Oh, I'm sure. Jeez. So. Well, Kenny, this this has been great. I, I've enjoyed this, and I, I thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us. It's been fascinating. Well, thank you, Brian. I, I'm, you know, I got carried away, but I obviously you know that I'm enjoying it, which I don't always enjoy interviews, but I I just felt like I've known you all my life, and I just wanted to, these things just kept exploding in my mind. That's and great. I that's what we to, love to hear. We you know, uh, love to hear the stories. That's always well, what's, what's fun. That's very kind of you, and I really do appreciate it so very much. It was so much fun to talk to Kenny Miller. He's been in a lot of different things, and it's just so fascinating to hear the stories of Orson Welles and everything else. It's just just amazing. And, uh, of course, I always liked I Was a Teenage Werewolf. Those old science fiction horror classics, uh, you know, that, uh, you know, they they weren't the greatest as far as uh, special effects compared to what we have now and everything, but they were just fun movies to watch. If you get a chance, check that out. And also, of course, Attack of the Puppet People from Bird Eye Gordon. Kenny was in that, and uh, it's just just a lot of fun to watch those things. We thank Kenny so much for taking the time to talk to us. We appreciate it very much. 
Don't forget that on November 8th to the 11th in Moraga, California at the New Ream Theater. It's the California Independent Film Festival. Hope you're going to be there because I'm going to be there. I'll be moderating a uh, interview with Don Wells and with Connie Stevens at two different times. So well, I'm going to be there talking with them. If you're there, say hi to me. Appreciate that. And uh, I hope to see you there. And like I said earlier, hopefully we'll be getting all the technical bugs out so we can get those recorded so we can play them back on an episode of On Screen or Beyond so everybody can hear those all around the world. Love to hear Dawn again. She's been a guest here at On Screen and Beyond. She's going to be coming back and also Connie Stevens for the first time. So we're really excited about that. That's it. That is a wrap for this episode of On Screen and Beyond. So... Hope you're going to join me next week. we got enough, another fascinating guest coming your way. So until then, when we take you once again on screen and beyond, I'm Brian Zemrak. Take care. Uh-huh.